Chapters 10, 11, and 12 of Minstrel Weather by Marion Storm. Chapter 10 When the Oaks Wear Damson. The wild ducks are streaming south upon their journey of uncounted days. Resting a little after sunset upon the cedar bordered pond, they are startled into flight again by some hound hunting in the night, and with beating wing and eerie cry go on. The later flying geese rise clamorous from among the cattails, and in silent haste the blue heron and the pair of sad old cranes that had roosted in a dead elm along shore take the chill invisible trail. When day comes in spreading fire, the crows will humorously watch these wander birds from the forest edges. They feel no southward impulse. Circling the clearing, they comment in uproar upon the most advisable oak for their afternoon symposium, expand their polished feathers, and, seated in a derisive row, caw a farewell to the waiter's long-departing legs. Now the mountaineer's girl, remembering old-world peasant tales that never have been told her, hurries indoors at nightfall from the hallooing spectre of the wild huntsman in the clouds, who is but the anxious leader of the flying wedge. Buckwheat stubble in October is such a crimson as no Fieselin rose garden ever unfurled. Gray hill slopes of the north are festal with its color, insistent even through rains, glowing from rose matter to maroon. Lower stretches out the pale yellow of oat stubble, which breaks into flashing splinters under the noon sun. The wheat fields show ochre and darker, burnt sienna at the roots, lie the reaped fields of barley small rash flowers fancying that the ground between the grain stalks has been cultivated especially for them now that they see the sun freely again put on the petals of spring amid this fair desolation strawberry blossoms visibly fay appear long-stemmed and scanty-flowered fall dandelions an ill-timed display of april's buttercups the blackberry vines go richly dyed, superb red velvet settings for the jewels of frost. Down in the valley, through the wood smoke haze, move the slow apple wagons through the lanes. This is apple land. Northern spy and lemon pippin are ripe to cracking. Baldwins will be mellow by twelfth night, the russet at Easter. Gorgeous and ephemeral hangs the maiden's blush. The strawberry apples are like embers on the little trees, rubies of the orchard. Lady sweets and dominies are respectfully being urged into the cellar, and for those who will pay to learn the falseness of this world's shows, the freight cars are receiving Ben Davises. Sheep noses, left often on the boughs, will hold cold nectar after the black frosts have killed the last marigold they lie dull red by the orchard fence in the early snow their blunt expression revealing no secrets you have to know about them nothing is more inscrutable than a sheep nose fast above the indigo crests stir the light clouds harried by the west wind whereon the hawk floats across the valley in the afternoon october's lover takes the hill path mica-gemmed that leads between birches of the translucent yellow leaf and maple still green but wearing scarlet woodbine like a gypsy's sash 
for here the sunset lingers till the stars though from the valley's goblet evening has sipped the waning sunlight like a clear amber wine but take at morning the path through brown low grounds or close along the wood where frost sleeps late for here that flower of desire the french gentian grows its blue is less mysterious and deep than the closed gentians and yet how many name it the cup of autumn delight in the woods where leafless boughs give them blue sky at last are revealed in quaint perfection the ferneries of the moss palm trees towering higher than a snail's house gallant green plumes with cornelians at the tip vast tropical forests spreading for long inches gray trailing rivers and orange cliffs of lichen leagues of delicate jungle lost under a fallen leaf a beetle clad in shining mail presses through the wilderness a cobalt dragonfly sits on a shaken palm pursuing a rollicking hickory nut the chipmunk brings a hurricane but these are elastic trees that same mischief-maker incurably curious chases every stranger shooting along the stone wall and pausing to peer out from the crevices with unregenerate eyes the handsome but vain woodpecker pounds at the grub-dowered tree he has chosen to persecute enormously ingenuous the wayside cow lumbers reproachfully out of the path knocking the grains of excellent make-believe coffee from the withered dock the drumming of a partridge in his solitary transport sounds where reddened dogwood glorifies a clump of firs sometimes the kittle pheasant hardly at home in our woods ducks her head and vanishes in the briars now the harvest moon yellower than the hunter's moon of ending autumn or the strawberry moon that looks upon june's roses rises for husking time it is the last harvest when the corn is in winter comes piled tumbling ears their grain set in many a curious pattern go by to the sorting floor and crib with pumpkins the satraps of new england perched in rickety fashion on the gleaming load the mountain ash hangs flamboyant clusters along the road from the field obedient to the frost the acorns are dropping and the first chestnuts lie polished mahogany in the whitened grass at sunrise the shagbark has scattered its largesse the butternut its dainties in their staining coats against the slopes the tinted fern patches show bronze russet and pansy brown speaking october and our own purple east the tall asters darkening from lavender to the ultimate shadowy violet join the goldenrod sumacs are thronging with their proudly blazoned crests the haw is hung with chinese scarlet lanterns sweetbriar stem and leaf is scented of menthol and spices of the orient the oaks stand regal in umber and damson who that has known october could ever forget how quiet the nights are after frost chapter eleven november traits by the time november comes the year is used to the caprices of the sun and no longer frantically brings out flowers for his gaze or hides them in hurt surprise from his indifference now the year is resigned untroubled of hope far from impatient april with her craving and effort 
Experienced month, November waits ready to face the snows. She wraps up the buds too warmly for sleet to pierce their overcoats, comforts the roots in the woods with mats of wrecked leaves, spreads a little jewelry of frost as a warning before the black frosts come, and for all else lives in the moment. November has been through this before, but sometimes in a reverie she delights the blue jays and persistent wild asters by a day of Indian summer. There has been a great deal of ill-feeling about Indian summer, and the kinder way is not to persecute those who have since youth believed and will maintain forever that it comes in October. Victims of this perverted fancy, they will go through life calling the first hot spell after Labor Day Indian summer. Every fall one explains to them that this brief season of perfection may come as late as Thanksgiving, but the very next year they will be heard to murmur under frostless skies, Well, we are having our Indian summer. Let them go their indoors way, or follow the deserting robins down to Paraguay. Indian summer could just as well come when the oaks have turned forlorn, if it wanted to. In truth, it comes and goes, by no means exhausted in a solitary burst of flaring sumacs, fringed gentians, lighted by frost along the rims, damson-colored alder leaves, and old yellowing pumpkins, perilously exposed among forgotten furrows, now that the corn is being drawn in. It goes and comes again, which is its charm, the one time of year that cannot be calendared. There is in all the world a small choice coterie of people who like November and March best of the months, and it must be admitted that these are often a bit arrogant about their refined perceptions. They manage to look down upon the many of us who prefer the daisy fields to the time when hills take on the noble lines of death. But whims of the worshippers steal no splendor from the god. June has nothing to place beside a moonlit November night, whose shadow-dance of multiform boughs is never seen through leaves, while shadows on the snow are hard of outline, unlike the elusive phantoms running over autumn's brown grass. June has no flowers so quaint, pathetic, and austere as the trembling weeds of November. What does the goldenrod, white with age, care for frost? All winter it will shake out seeds unthriftily upon the snow, standing with a calm brotherhood who have gone beyond dependence on the day. June's forests do not take a thousand colors under a low sun. June's gray dews have no magnificence of frost. June's incorrigible sparrows are not the brave, flitting snowbirds whose sins we forgive once we hear them chirping in a blizzard. June is a lyric. November a hymn. The squirrels have put away enough nuts to last through the holidays, and after that they come out and get something else. No one ever knows what. They have gone off with most of the acorns, leaving the fairies their usual autumn supply of cupless saucers. No birds worth fighting with are left, for the crows will not notice them, so they go for the chipmunks. Sometimes at the wood's edge a bird that came only with the blossom, and that should long since have gone, sits lost, half grotesque, on a stark twig, spent and beautiful singer, belated by perversity or by untimely faintness of wing. 
the muskrat's winter house is ready but no happy quiet such as his good citizenship deserves is in store for him because soon the trappers will begin their patrol of the forest and his skin called wild patagonian ox the exquisite new fur will bring a good price emotional wild geese still pass overhead in the dawns and sunsets the crows can scarcely conceal their amusement what nonsense to be always coming or going the crow does not remain in the pale north simply out of devotion to us he is above mortal vicissitudes behind his demoniac eye dwells a critique of humanity which he would not be bothered to utter if he could the soul of the satirist once abode in a crow forsaken nests and rattling reeds along the stream pools in the hollows edged with thin ice ragged leaves clutched at by the winds desperate buds of hepatica and cowslip where a sloping bank catches warmth at noon fences stripped of vines and ghostly with dead clematis a few frozen apples swinging on the top boughs trampled fields and pelting rain and with it all a grandeur more serene than melancholy november's lovers are not perverse declaring this they see half-indicated colors and hear low sounds they love the mellow light better than the blaze of rich july and they are loyal to november because she speaks in quiet tones not heard through the eagerness or snow silence of other months it is the sentimentalist who sees only gloom and the weariness of departure now november is ruddier than many a day of spring and the sharper air forbids languor indian summer her gift and our most fleeting season is like the autumn ecstasy of the partridge passionate and irresistible but not ending in despondency because he knows it will return and it is like joy in that it cannot be foreseen nor detained the bacchanal may have dreaded november not the dryad chapter twelve the christmas woods the southern woods hang their christmas trimmings high laurel and rhododendron mistletoe and holly reach up against the walls of tinted bark our northern forests trail greens along the floor and roped ground pine prickling through the prone leaves or a gentle snow appears as a procession of tiny palm trees come north for the holiday surprised and lost but determined to keep together under the haw bushes and over spruce roots wherever shade was thick last summer partridge vines twine red-berried wreaths and the little plants of wintergreen flavor and of that wandering name hold their rubies low on the mountainside after the enduring snows have come these glimmering fruits will be requisitioned dug out by the furry owners of such plantations on days when even covered roots seem barren of sap and nuts should really be saved a while longer clumps of sword-fern beaten down by november rains are round green mats other ferns long ago were brown but seldom save in its sunsets and woodlands has december color ponds fanged with ice lie sullen or stir resentfully into whitecaps the sky is stony and often vanishes in brooding fog 
uncloaked but courageous in their grey armour the trees wait tensely for the intolerable onslaught of the cold the blizzard with knives of sleet over the marshes at the hour of dusk when the bronze and topaz are quenched passes the breath of foreboding december acknowledges an unpitying fate anything may happen it is not the fireside month softly white outdoors and candlelit within time of miracles it stands expectant and the thronging stars of the christmas midnight wear a restless look rutted paths answer harshly to the step delayed snow is a menace in the air but lands beyond the cities would be grateful should it hasten bringing safety to the soil and winter peace yet snow is a betrayer a sheet of paper upon which the feet of rabbit mink and fox write a guide to their dwellings and to the whole plan of their days snow for christmas there must be on the lighted trees indoors on our far scattered similar cards but save as a convenience to the reindeer and a compliment to their driver who cannot create his stocking stock unless he is snowbound and who must feel sadly languid as he tears through florida heavens city people would quite willingly manage with alum early in school life however comes the dangerous knowledge that nothing is so easy to draw as christmas eve a white hillside a path of one unchanging curve a steeple or a chimney with smoke a fir tree or a star thus snow eases art for the credulous who think it white glittering under starlight shadowed with purple lemon or deep blue as sunset turns to evening taking on daffodil hues at noon snow is harder to paint fretted with windy tracery and drawn out into streaming lines where the gale races along by a fence snow is not on christmas greetings permitted to be seen the first snowstorm of the year should be sent from labrador on christmas eve and sprinkled impartially and ornamentally over all the land then the yule atmosphere once provided the destination should be confined to the rural clientele until the next december for on streets the hoarfrost is indeed like ashes but why in sombre justice should the far south pretend to holiday snow at all why not christmas cards pranked with live oaks alligators lagoons and other beauties of an everglade scene an inspiring escape from tradition and sentiment for the antlered steeds must prance above hibiscus flowers as well as round the pole yet it must seem dull to hang stockings by a fireplace that needs fire merely as a decoration and never to have loved a sleigh abandoned but still no downcast company slanting corn shocks not honored with winter shelter stand patient sentinels in the field abandoned they may seem yet could you suddenly tip one over there would be a startled scurrying for these are the choice snow-time residences of field mice cottontails weasels and meadow moles not of course together in harmony but in their separate establishments let the blizzard come it only makes warmer a house of cornstalks properly built which bears none the less some of the dangers of a gingerbread home passing cows may feel tempted 
Vermilion heraldry of the wild rose is waved undimmed, which hazel, with her yellow blossoms, last flowers of the year, gazes upon the vanquished shrubs about her with a smile. Why, she will not even sow her seed until February. There is plenty of time for hardy petals. Massed against the stern horizon, the forest stands an unresponsive gray. Entered, the twigs are seen sleek brown, dark red, and a fawn soft as the tan orchid. In towns, December shows the iron mood, but in the open places, where pools of light and shadow lie, it is a water-color month made fine with no gorgeous velvets of autumn but hung with blending veils of dawn mist and of new snow so that the subdued day rises in flushed drifting vapor like april's awakening and when the sun comes pale we wonder that there is no summons in his light End of chapters ten eleven and twelve